Chapter Ten of the Mystery of the Pinckney Draft. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Mystery of the Pinckney Draft by Charles C. Knott. Chapter Ten: The Silence of Madison. Up to this point, the draft in the State Department has been considered precisely as Madison desired it should be considered that is to say, upon his objections. The inquiry, moreover, has been confined to the final indictment which he drew up, to wit, the note of Mr. Madison to the plan of Charles Pinckney, and to the evidence which he adduced to sustain it, to wit, Pinckney's observations and letter, and Madison's journal of the convention. But there is another chapter which must be considered, a chapter of facts and circumstances forming an unseen part of the strategy which his cautious policy supplied in his letters to sparks and the others as in the final note there is a studious comparison instituted between the draft in the state department and the constitution itself there is also an argument implied that the draft in the department cannot possibly be identical with the draft presented to the convention because it contains some provisions which pinckney opposed in the convention a student whose inquiries were limited to early editions of madison's writings might draw from them two extenuating inferences the first of which would be that the weakened memory of age and infirmity had failed to bring before madison the proper instrument for comparison the draft of the committee of detail the second that he had never heard of pinckney's letter to the secretary of state and knew not that pinckney had notified the secretary that the copy which he sent was not a literal reproduction of the lost draft and that it like the original contained provisions which on further reflection he had opposed in the convention in the spring of eighteen thirty mr jared sparks passed a week with madison at montpelier and on his return to washington sent to him the following letter washington may fifth eighteen thirty since my return i have conversed with mr adams concerning charles pinckney's draft of a constitution he says it was furnished by Mr. Pinckney, and that he has never been able to hear of another copy. It was accompanied by a long letter, written in 1819, now in the Department of State, in which Mr. Pinckney claims to himself great merit for the part he took in framing the Constitution. A copy of this letter may doubtless be procured from Mr. Brent, should you desire to see it mr adams mentioned the draft once to mr rufus king who said he remembered such a draft but that it went to a committee with other papers and was never heard of afterwards mr king's views of the subject as far as i could collect them from mr adams were precisely such as you expressed here it may be noted that what mr adams heard from mr king is recorded in his memoirs may fourth eighteen thirty volume eight page two twenty five it is only what sparks reported to madison mr king had not seen the draft and had not heard any one narrate what its provisions were 
indeed his doubts and suspicions seem to have been founded on no other fact than that he did not hear it talked about like madison he was a witness who could testify to nothing not even to hearsay on the twenty fourth of may eighteen thirty one mr sparks who was then at work on his life of governor morris again wrote to madison boston may twenty fourth eighteen thirty one in touching on the convention i shall state the matter relating to mr pinckney's draft as i have heard it from you and from mr adams as reported to him by mr king justice and truth seem to me to require this exposition i shall write to charleston and endeavor to have the draft inspected which was left by mr pinckney your explanation that he probably added particulars as they arose in debate and at last forgot which was original and what superadded is the only plausible way of accounting for the mystery and it may pass for what it is worth should anything occur to you which you may think proper to communicate to me on the subject i shall be well pleased to receive it madison felt so solicitous about the inquiry in charleston that on the twenty first of june he wrote to sparks asking to be informed of the result as soon as it is ascertained but on the sixteenth of june sparks had written to madison the following letter which could not have reached him when he wrote on the twenty first boston june sixteenth eighteen thirty one i have procured from the department of state a copy of the letter from mr charles pinckney to mr adams when he sent his draft for publication this letter is so conclusive on the subject that i do not think it necessary to make any further inquiry it is evident that the draft which he forwarded was a compilation made at the time from loose sketches and notes the letter should have been printed in connection with the draft i imagine mr pinckney expected it he does not pretend that this draft was absolutely the one he handed into the convention he only believes it was the one but is not certain should you have leisure i beg you will favor me with your views of this letter it touches upon several matters respecting the history and progress of the convention do these accord with your recollection i would not weary or trouble you but when you recollect that there is no other fountain to which i can go for information i trust you will pardon my importunity when sparks wrote his hasty letter of june sixteenth he was evidently writing under two misapprehensions the first was that he supposed the question involved was whether the draft on file was an exact copy of the lost original the second was that its verity depended entirely on pinckney's accompanying letter to his inquiry what did madison think of that letter madison made no reply but in the course of the next five months sparks cleared his mind of the above misapprehensions and freed himself from the authority of madison's opinion and his strong and well-trained mind analyzed the facts involved and grasped the real problem of the case this analysis and this problem he set clearly before madison in the following letter 
Boston, November 14th, 1831. My mind has got into a new perplexity about Pinckney's draft of a constitution. By a rigid comparison of that instrument with a draft of the committee reported August 6th, they are proved to be essentially and almost identically the same thing. It is impossible to resist the conviction that they proceeded from one and the same source. This being established, the only question is whether it originated with the committee or with Mr. Pinckney, and I confess that, judging only from the face of the thing, my impressions incline to the latter. Here are my reasons. 1. All the papers referred to the committee were Randolph's resolutions as amended, and Patterson's resolutions, and Pinckney's draft, without having been altered or considered. The committee had them in hand nine days. Their report bears no resemblance in form to either of the sets of resolutions, and contains several important provisions not found in either of them. It is probable that they would have deserted these, particularly the former, which had been examined seriatim in the convention, and struck out an entirely new scheme in its form of which no hints had been given in the debates two the language and arrangement of the report are an improvement upon pinckney's draft negligent expressions are corrected words changed and sentences broken for the better in short i think any person examining the two for the first time without a knowledge of circumstances, or of the bearing of the question, would pronounce the committee's report to be a copy of the draft, with amendments in style and a few unimportant additions. 3. If this conclusion be not sound, it will follow that Mr. Pinckney sketched his draft from the committee's report, and in so artful a manner as to make it seem the original a suspicion I suppose not to be admitted against a member of the Convention for forming the Constitution of the United States. Will you have the goodness to let me know your opinion? If I am running upon a wrong track, I should be glad to get out of it, for I like not devious ways, and would fain have light rather than darkness. P.S. You may be assured, sir, that I have no intention of printing anything on this subject, nor of using your authority in any manner respecting it. I am aware of the delicate situation in which such a step would place you, and you may rely upon my discretion. I am greatly puzzled, however, in respect to the extraordinary coincidence between the two drafts. Notwithstanding my reasons above given, I cannot account for the committee's following any draft so servilely, especially with Randolph's resolution before them, and Randolph himself one of their number. I doubt whether any clear light can be gained till Pinckney's original draft shall be found, which is probably among the papers of one of the committee. It seems to me that your secretary of the convention was a very stupid secretary, not to take care of these things better, and to make a better journal than the dry bones that now go by that name. This letter set forth the real elements of the case, 
elements incontrovertible and absolutely certain that pinckney's draft was referred to the committee of detail that it was never considered in the convention that the period within which the committee framed their draft was a brief one that the committee's draft bears no resemblance in form to the resolution of the convention and contains provisions not found in them that the committee so departed from the resolutions though randolph himself was one of their number and struck out an entirely new scheme in form of which no hint had been given in the debates and that the committee's draft in form language and arrangement appears to be a copy of pinckney's with amendments and additions from these sure premises sparks deduced two alternative conclusions i think any person examining the two drafts for the first time without a knowledge of the circumstances or of the bearing of the question would pronounce the committee's report to be a copy of the draft with amendments in style and a few unimportant additions or that mr pinckney sketched his draft from the committee's and in so artful a manner as to make it seem the original a suspicion i suppose not to be admitted against a member of the convention in the second clause of the latter alternative sparks with admirable sagacity applied the most delicate test that could be applied to the matter he brings the dilemma down to this the committee must have used pinckney's draft or pinckney must have sketched his draft from the committee's and more than that he must have sketched it in so artful a manner as to make it seem the original when one instrument is fashioned after another the natural and even unconscious action of the mind is to correct and improve it is going forward toward a desirable result to fashion the second instrument after the first but in such a manner that in many details there would be an unfailing inferiority would be going backward this inferiority in detail runs through the pinckney draft as has repeatedly been shown before when sparks wrote the word artful he used the right word the word which controlled the situation in so artful a manner as to make it seem the original most accurately defines what pinckney did in charleston in eighteen eighteen if he then fabricated a new draft of course such a fabrication was possible but it would have required a literary forger with a genius for literary forgery to have taken the committee's draft and given these artless imperfections these delicate touches of inferiority to the copy for the state department to the specific charge that pinckney must have sketched his draft in so artful a manner as to make it seem the original if it was not what he had represented it to be madison made no reply sparks had narrowed the issue to this did the committee follow pinckney's draft or did pinckney use the committee's but madison evaded the issue sparks had shown that the committee did not confine themselves to results arrived at after discussion in the convention but that they had incorporated in their draft 
important provisions not found in either set of resolutions and he called madison's attention to the extraordinary coincidence between the two drafts and he added that he could not account for the committee following any draft so servilely especially with randolph's resolutions before them and randolph himself one of their number it was for madison then to meet this issue and show definitely where the committee got the many new provisions of their draft important and unimportant if they did not get them from the pinckney draft on the twenty fifth of november eighteen thirty one madison replied at length to sparks's letter but he said not a word about the draft of the committee or of pinckney's letter to the secretary of state his answer was in effect impossible sparks did not acknowledge the receipt of the letter until the seventeenth of january eighteen thirty two and then the acknowledgment was called out by a letter from madison of january seventh he yielded a reluctant assent manifestly in defense to madison that this letter seems to me conclusive but he immediately adds i am still a good deal at a loss about the first draft of the committee the history of the composition of the draft would be a curious item in the proceedings of the convention here sparks again puts his finger on one of the things that needed explanation the composition of the draft his sagacious mind grasped the fact that the structure of the draft of the constitution of the constitution itself would indeed be a curious item in the proceedings of the convention it was original work in style order details and arrangement a curious item indeed whose was the hand that sketched it when sparks was so near the end of the matter and on the path which led to the end it seems almost incredible that he did not take one step forward if he had he would have solved the problem and dispelled the mystery madison's letter of november twenty fifth seems to have been written for posterity as well as for the man to whom it was sent its untold object manifestly was to divert attention from the draft of the committee and to direct comparison of the constitution itself three years later in his letter to judge durr he reiterated what he had said to sparks and again he said nothing upon the point which sparks had plainly placed before him finally when he prepared his note to the plan he for a third time was silent on the primary issue in the case did the committee follow pinckney's draft or did pinckney surreptitiously use the committees this silence of madison's is a most curious instance of his sagacious and adroit management it was not his business to direct attention to this troublesome final issue and he did not the note of mr madison to the plan of charles pinckney would be published the letters of sparks to himself might never see the light indeed i can give this tribute to his adroitness 
that this book was written in the belief that Madison never knew of Pinckney's letter to the Secretary of State, and that his weakened mind had overlooked the draft of the Committee of Detail, and it was not till the book was finished that I found the letters of Sparks above quoted, and was compelled thereby to supply this chapter, and modify what I had elsewhere written. End of chapter 10